You're listening to the Viva La Mami podcast, a podcast about all things motherhood. I'm your host, Jessica Cuevas. I am a mother of one on a mission to redefine the meaning of motherhood as a first-generation, bilingual, and bicultural Latina mommy. Regardless if we feel like a failure from time to time, or if we succeeded with the little things in our motherhood journey, it is important to celebrate all of these experiences as madres. So bring your cafecito as I invite you to be a part of this space and create raw and honest conversations about the exciting and challenging parts of being a mommy. Ahora, vámonos. Hola, hola, amiga. We are in a new year. And just like every start of a new year, we see and hear ads and marketing campaigns about meeting, quote unquote, weight loss resolutions. As you probably know, numerous studies demonstrate that New Year's weight loss resolutions almost never work. Instead of planning on a quick fix diet or weight loss program, we should consider a sustainable long-term approach that would help us become more present and self-compassionate about ourselves. That's why I brought a special guest with us today. Marisa Prieto is a non-diet Latina registered dietitian with more than 12 years of experience, a certified holistic health coach and intuitive eating and HAES aligned practitioner. She is committed to helping Latina women and Latina mothers improve their relationship with food and their body so that they can live a joyful life without the stress of dieting, keeping their cultural foods alive, and break the generational cycle of dieting in their family. It was an honor to have Marisa here with us. We talked about how we can unlearn the negative perceptions that we grew up with about our ancestral and cultural foods, and how we can heal ourselves to be compassionate mujeres and create a body neutral or body positive mindset about undieting. If you're someone who has always struggled with your relationship with food and or your body image, or even if you are pregnant or in your postpartum period as a new mommy and not knowing what your new identity and new body is, know that this episode is for you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Marisa Prieto. Hola, Marisa. How are you? Hi, Jessica. I'm good. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I've been meaning to reach out to you just because I happen to find you on Instagram, just like all other mommies that I have interviewed in my podcast. And I thought that the work that you do is just so valuable and much, much needed within the Latina community. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Oh, thanks for connecting with me. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the beautiful thing. One of the beautiful things about Instagram is how we can just connect with one another, especially when we can relate to so many things and we share values and interests and a community that we want to have. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we'll definitely touch base on your business and kind of like your reason for being here where we can talk about diet culture and body image and kind of how that affects us as Latina women. But first, if 
you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a mom of a four-year-old son, be five soon. And I'm currently expecting twins. I'm about six months right now. As you, if you're listening to this podcast, we're in what, December? Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. So we've known each other for many, many, many years. And born and raised here in El Paso, Texas. And all my family pretty much lives here still. You know, my immediate family, so I'm blessed to have them here. My grandparents came from Mexico, so Ciudad Juarez. So right next to El Paso is our sister city, Juarez, Mexico. So we have a lot of family that is from there that moved over here. But essentially, my parents, like, we, you know, grew up here and were raised here in the States. I'm a registered dietitian as well. I've been a registered dietitian for 12 years and I moved into health coaching about three and a half years ago. So I kind of, when I worked in the corporate, I worked in corporate, I worked in the hospital setting and an outpatient okay. setting for most of that time where I did a lot of diabetes management. I worked with people of all populations. And then, you know, once I had my son, I want I realized that I wanted to spend more time with him, of course. And there was so much time spent at the hospital that I just wanted to be closer to him. So I looked for work from home jobs. And currently I still have a nine to five, well, not a nine to five, I make my own hours, but I work for a diabetes prevention program. So it's for people who have prediabetes that want to prevent diabetes. And I'm a health coach there. And while meanwhile, also pursuing my own online health coaching business as well. Yeah, that is awesome. Oh, that, yes, yes. And we'll <clears throat> definitely touch on that because it's such a specific niche that you are, you know, like targeting and, and it just like when you go to your website, it just speaks so much like resonates to me, especially growing up and, and thinking about my own body and how I think of my body and food, mm -hmm. right and having a good relationship with food. So yeah, thank you so much for that introduction. Okay. So you did mention that you are a registered dietitian. So like, what did you do before becoming a mommy? And what inspired you to become a registered dietitian? Sure. So, so I guess I'll start with what inspired me because that takes me back to my high school days. Mm -hmm. So when I was a senior, I had originally thought that I wanted to go into my career as a music teacher, as a choir teacher, because I was very into singing and music it was just something that I was passionate about. But then my dad, unfortunately, at that time got sick with lung cancer and had to go to MD Anderson in Houston for, I think it was maybe about a year or so for treatment. And when he came back after treatment, you know, I just didn't recognize him. You know, it was just bones and very fragile and it was just heartbreaking. And I just did not recognize him at all. And it was the summer that I was on break that I just wanted to help him get better through nutrition. And he was just, you know, I wanted to help him get stronger, right? Get at least some strength and some nutrition in him. So that's when I started doing a little bit of research around nutrition, just looking at whatever I could find. And it got me thinking, you know, maybe there's something going on here. Like I got real into it and I started thinking about this, maybe something I can do to help others as well as a nutrition therapy. And mm -hmm. also at the same time, I thought to myself, you know, this might be beneficial for me too, because I've had such a history with disordered eating that I thought mm -hmm. I would benefit it, benefit from it too. So I was mm -hmm. thinking like I could help myself, I can help my dad, and I can help others. Mm -hmm. So that's what started my path towards dietetics and my schoolwork. And that's how that happened. Yeah. And when I became a mom, so I became a mom 
almost five years ago, right? Almost five years ago. Back then, I was very heavy in diet culture. I was very heavy in bodybuilding. Um, I went for a lot of aesthetics. I was very fat phobic, like I'm mm -hmm. many of us are. I, you know, dieted for years. I had a history of dieting. My dieting career began, <laughs> say, hmm, after high school, because prior to that, I was kind of just skipping meals over exercising, just had this disordered relationship with food. But, you know, then came the big diet trends, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they've always been out there, but it was more noticeable to me. So any diet that was out there, you know, the abs diet, the special K diet, the, what is it? Slim fast, you know, Slim this, fast, this, this, yeah. and this, right. And there's so many diets coming out that I did them all and trying to seek a specific physique that I thought if I just got this, like I would be this, this, and this, I will feel happy. I will have this, I will have that. And trying to pursue that while going to school. So I was very heavy into bodybuilding. That's literally all that I thought about. I hired a personal trainer a couple times I competed in bodybuilding competitions mm -hmm. and even have gotten to, you know, win to the, you know, get place in some of the nationals and be qualified. I realized I had finally like an aha moment with my husband. Well, at the time we were living together in an apartment, just noticing, you know, he was saying, make comments, you know, like, what are you doing? And I just sank into me and I realized what am I doing? Because I just started to, everything just kind of flooded into my mind of all of my patterns and my things that were not serving me right because I was just stuck in this tunnel vision of, of bodybuilding that there was nothing literally that I did because I was either working out being strict on my diet carrying my food to family get-togethers you know skipping out places because I didn't want to eat what they were having and you know when we go to our family get-together there's just a bunch of food we're gonna have yeah. there's chile con queso and the guacamole and the tostadas and steaks and this and that and I always brought my food with me and so there was just some places I couldn't go. So there's a lot of things that I missed out. So before I became a mom, I was, that was very much what I was heavy into. And it was not until after that moment, probably when I turned 30, that that's when I realized I need, something needs to change. That's when I had my awakening, my aha moments. Mm -hmm. I got introduced to, there was a yoga studio nearby when I lived at the apartments that kind of sparked it. I got into yoga at first. It was for aesthetics. It was for the calorie burning. It was for the fat burning, for the sculpting, right? All the reasons why some people do it, which no judgment. That's, you know, that's again, our culture. Mm -hmm. And then I just, I started to connect with my body. I started to connect with my body, with my sensations, with my emotions. I started to notice patterns. I then got into meditation. And as for myself, as a very all or nothing type of person and perfectionist, I went very heavy. And you can guess what happened next. I went very heavy into mm -hmm. yoga and meditation. So just like I did with bodybuilding, it was like that with yoga and meditation. Mm -hmm. And there was no balance. And that took me some time to find balance with having a good relationship with exercise. Again, a healthy relationship with yoga, healthy relationship with meditation, not seeing that it has to be done a certain way or does it count. Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time to get to where I am now. And that's why I'm so passionate about trying to help other moms find balance that there's no such thing as perfection, that all or nothing exists, and it can control us and prevent us from reaching our goals or taking long term healthy steps that are manageable and sustainable. Yeah, and that's where that's where I was before <laughs> I had my son. Yeah, it's just very interesting how 
you know, as individuals, as human beings, we evolve, right? Like you had this goal of becoming a music teacher and then mm -hmm. something happened that really impacted your decision to consider something completely different and how even with your training, right? Like you had this kind of like viewpoint about health and nutrition and fitness and then obviously something changed right like and it could have been something that was that literally happened or you literally had like an aha moment right like how mm -hmm. you said and so i thank you so much for sharing sometimes a lot of people can be triggered with saying mm -hmm. like their past mm -hmm. and so yeah i just wanted to say thanks for for sharing that and so when you became a mom, did anything kind of affect like in terms of like your body image and nutrition? Because as we know, oftentimes we're not really prepared as to how our body is going to look okay. right. Like after giving Definitely. birth. So can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, even till this day, I'm still unlearning a lot of things that I've learned about diet culture, about food, food myths, food beliefs, right? We, because we know that our beliefs are created, are embedded in our mind from our experiences, from early childhood, from, you know, just everywhere. And, and that's some sort of, I'm still, I'm still doing the work. So for me, it's been, you know, years and years of doing inner work and, you know, kind of going back to when I think about after I had my son, I was kind of like in this place of, had I had ha I had more awareness about my tendencies, my habits, food tracking, and all that. I let that go during pregnancy. There's a lot of emphasis to the moms to gain a certain weight during pregnancy, and as a registered dietitian, we are trained to focus on the weight. Nowadays, it's becoming a little bit more open. There's more discussion to not bringing weight so much into kind of like, you know, into the conversation, it's focusing on the overall health or in nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I also had to, a lot of things to unlearn as a registered dietitian, mm -hmm. many, many, many things. And so during that time, since I was working as a registered dietitian, that was something that I was fixated on still kind of too, as well, this, am I gaining enough weight? Am I getting too much weight? You know, this, this, and trying to follow the, the numerics, like they tell you, mm. trying to eat that perfect, healthy diet for, for my baby, right? Because I had sickness, but it wasn't as bad as it was this time around. Mm -hmm. And once it went away, that's when I was what we call the medical term is called orthorexia, which means you have an obsession about eating healthy. Mm -hmm. So I then developed orthorexia, you know, orthorexia during my pregnancy. And after I had my son where I was prepping everything of his meals, you know, the organic and this and that and nothing wrong with that. But again, it was very rigid and very so as you can see, my patterns and went from me onto my son's mm. on his food and how you know never buy store-bought right there's so many myths about that and puts a lot mm. of shame on moms and judgment yes. when you know we're feeding our family the best that we can with what we have so for me at that time it was kind of like meanwhile I was doing that I was also jumped right into the exercise once I got any ounce of energy that I started to feel back that's when I started back on the exercise right away. And even if I was tired, I would still do it. I wouldn't honor my body. I wouldn't rest as much. And I was still doing all that that I could high intensity. 
And finally, until it hit me, like when my son turned one, that's around when he turned one, that's when I realized I can't keep doing this anymore. Look, what are you doing? You know, I had another one of those moments where he was getting older, did not want to project any of these things onto him or teach them and pass any of these habits onto him either with bad or quote unquote bad or good foods and, you know, having this unhealthy relationship with food. So it was then that I started doing more work. You know, I worked, started working with a coach as well. I'm working with a therapist and doing more work because there was still more work to be done when I realized that I still had a fat phobia, a fear of weight gain and doing all that inner work that I now help my clients do. So again, it did take me some time to get to where I am now five years ago almost five years ago, but you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Cause I've learned yeah. a lot and my body image, as far as that goes, it was just, again, there was no time, no space to actually really appreciate my body and be mm-hmm. thankful for what it did, what it created mm-hmm. life and look at this amazing being and, you know, just being more appreciative of it and thankful and, and and enjoying those moments with him so it was my brain my conditioned brain wanted to right away go into let's go burn the calories let's go do this this get your workouts which yeah. took away sadly a lot of my energetic time mentally and emotionally from some of those moments where I wish I could have spent more of that time which mm-hmm. you know I get forgave myself for yeah. it's a process right and that's that's where I that's where I was with him at that mm-hmm. time yeah Yeah. And I'm sure it's nothing that is because you made this decision or because you, you know, wanted what was best for you at that time. It's because of the pressure that we all get, right? When everyone talks about, I'm, you know, I'm going to lose this baby weight by X amount of time, right? Or I'm going to eat healthy and, or I'm not going to eat anything at all, but you need calories, especially when you are breastfeeding or, Mm -hmm. you know, in general, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. you still need nutrition. And I find that oftentimes mothers have that pressure because there is sort of like this preconceived notion that you need to go back to the person that you were prior (laughs) to baby. Mm -hmm. We're we're never going to go back. We are never going to go back. And and that's something that we all need to embrace and kind of give ourselves that grace Mm -hmm. and finding ways, right, to like, okay, either take baby steps or getting the professional help, right? If you really Mm -hmm. want to be intentional of like your body or your nutrition, And so I think that is very important. Mm -hmm. And for me, though, when you're adding this level of cultura, right, as as Latinas, Mm -hmm. I find that we get ourselves in this weird position because oftentimes, and and I think this is in general for women in general, not just specifically moms, Latina moms, but just Latina women in general, we often want to ignore or erase the foods that are traditionally Mm -hmm that traditionally come from our homeland, right? Mm -hmm. And because we're so infatuated with this like diet culture that is oftentimes, you know, completely Eurocentric, completely Mm -hmm. very white American Anglo-Saxon, and it doesn't consider like the pure kind of like nutritious, (laughs) you know, like awesome, wonderful, like delicious foods that, that comes from our own culture. And so, 
I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but I yeah. feel like it, there's just so much pressure on every single side of the spectrum. Oh yeah, for sure. And my personal experience, again, I was so disconnected from my, I felt disconnected from my culture because of that long time history of eliminating some of those foods, fearing some of those foods, mm. not seeing them as okay. And sadly too, you know, telling, misinforming some of my patients When I live in a community that is purely mostly Hispanic, majority is Hispanic. So again, when I started healing and when I started opening my eyes and I had a new pair of glasses, that's when I was like, oh my God, you know, I've been telling them all the wrong things, you know, again, another thing I had to forgive myself for having some self-compassion is we're human and we learn and we make mistakes. And so, you know, as I began to my more of my healing and approaching my foods again, starting to cook more traditional foods in my home, you know, that's a process. And that's a process I work with my my clients as well is it takes some time to what we call habituation, where we have to kind of get Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a little bit of time. Sometimes it's a little bit of time to introduce these foods back into the diet. So it's not overwhelming and you start to notice the sensations and how you feel. We talk about what beliefs did you have before and how is it affecting now? What do you want to believe? So it's a lot of mindset work as well. Mm-hmm. And it is very true, you know, even if you think about like the my plate method and you go on, you look up the my plate method, it's very, yes, Americanized. You're not going to see, you know, a Mexican plate or a Hispanic Latino plate, you know, and that's something that once I learned, I taught my clients and at the time about patients to do is how can we, you know, our foods are already healthy. It's just that it's not portrayed that way by the, you know, whatever, if it's the American Dietetic Association or the CDC or the myplate.org or anything like mm-hmm. this and this, it does not bring into consideration the cultures and that they are nutritious foods and you know, our sofritos and our caldos and everything that just puts so much vegetables into it. Yes. Tortillas that are whole grains, you know, like avocados. And now that they say avocados are like a superfood, like it's always been part of our culture. Right. Like, you know, it's just, they were always demonized and mm. they were always frowned upon or seen as unhealthy or that they're going to give you diabetes, cholesterol. So a lot of fear mongering and it's caused a lot of people to really dissociate from a lot of those cultural foods that they've run up for for so long and I used to see it firsthand and in the clinic you know the doctors would tell them no more tortillas imagine mm-hmm. being told you've eaten a whole life and you're being told you're like 67 years old you're being told never to eat tortillas again or frijoles or this or that you know right. how how sad that would be mentally and physically and emotionally and because it's just part of who you are, right? And who you're brought up to be. So that was definitely something that I had to do the work on myself as well. But yeah. the best part is helping others and moms and other people saying like, no, it's okay. Like these are nutritious foods that are part of who we are. We should not feel guilty about it. We should embrace them. And if not, then what do our kids and our children have? You know, we're not going to have that mm-hmm. as we did. So that's, that was another important part of as to why I'm bringing those into the home is to pass this generation to generation. So they are consuming these traditional foods that we were brought up with and the importance of them and how they're so nutritious and they bring love and comfort and memories, you know, yes. the community and family. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, I love everything that you said. And, and I'm glad that you have partnered yourself with with what you have been trained. And it's good that you have because it's not your fault, right? It's just like things that have been so ingrained in us, you know, through all these texts, all of these like, you know, different researchers that 
I'm pretty sure they're, they don't look like us. They don't speak mm -hmm. our language. They don't come from our background. And, mm. and so I'm glad that you are unlearning and kind of teaching, you know, your patients, your clients now about just the benefits of our own foods and ensuring that they receive or that they eat, you know, what their body is asking for. So mm -hmm. no, that's mm -hmm. great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so when it comes to like the like dieting, there is now this like so we know that there is there has always been like this kind of like diet culture, right? And all of these different trends. But but now I am starting to see a lot on specifically social media about like non-dieting. What is really kind of like the difference between mm. those two because they seem very black and white. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Obviously in the lens of you as a registered dietitian, but how that kind of relates to Latino foods and, and you know, kind of like, yeah, how that kind of is connected within the, the two, right? right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, back then when I used to teach classes and diabetes classes, and I would introduce the word diet, we we're going to talk about nutrition and diet today. You know, what a lot of the things that would come to, you know, I'd ask them, what comes to your mind when I say the word diet? Everybody just starts naming out those trend diets, you know, thinking like eating less and this and this and this, right? Putting all the negative things when it just means like the foods that you're simply eating on a day to day basis. But when we put together like the comparison of dieting and non dieting, we know, yes, obviously there's the fat diets. There's diets of calorie counting, of macro counting, of, you know, intentionally using smaller bowls to reduce caloric intake, you know, and, and sometimes like for programs can be very tricky. It can be very tricky because they are prescribing or they're messaging some type of weight loss where it's still considered dieting. So they may say it's not a diet, but it's still restriction. There's still some restriction involved, rigid, maybe some rigid meal plans or things that are not on the list. For example, certain food groups that are not going to be allowed, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of differences and I'm sure probably each, whoever, like, for example, if there's a dietitian or <coughs> nutritionist that works as a non-diet practitioner, like for myself, they might have their own definition. And for me, taking a more non-diet approach, it's more than just the food. So it's more of an integrative approach, incorporating your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, again, your physical health, because food is not just like to nourish our body, but it's also a place that nourishes our soul, right? It, it, there, we have a lot of emotions tied with that as well. And, and it can affect us mentally. So if we also have a disordered relationship with food, or we, a negative relationship where we feel, we might feel guilt, we might feel shame, we might feel fear, we might feel different kinds of emotions. But in a non-diet space, and when you're doing this work in a non-diet approach, it's kind of being more curious. So if one person has a relationship with disordered eating like myself, a long history, we take more of a, a self-compassionate approach, a more mm -hmm. curious approach to seeing and, and ultimately getting to a place of quote unquote, what I call normal eating, where, where it's not a big deal, but that you're making healthy choices that you want to make healthy choices from a place of self-care mm -hmm. rather than fear or self-control. Mm -hmm. So it's more like, okay, well, I want to do these things based off of their values, which is something that I work on again with my clients and my patients is non-diet approach is eating food without guilt. 
It's being able to, and this might take some skill if you've been dining for some time, eating when you're hungry, especially for the busy moms that, you know, will say, I'll get it later. I'll eat later. Eating until satisfied. And sometimes, and we're human, we're going to overeat. And some people have problems with the emotional eating, right? Which impacts their relationship with food. And sometimes, you know, that can be, that can fall under both, whether it's because of a dieting history, or maybe they just didn't have a dieting history, but they just don't know how to cope with their emotions. So that's why I say, I call like it more of an integrative approach because food, like we turn to food for different reasons. And in the non-diet approach, it's like, well, let's learn about your relationship with food. You know, mm-hmm. what were you taught? What did you hear when you were growing up? What did you see? How do you act with food? How do you eat your food? Is there distractions? How do you feel when you're eating? And not just eating, but eating maybe a particular food. You know, can you feel comfortable? Or do you feel guilty? Can you trust yourself? So there's a lot that can go into with just food itself. And so when I think of a non-diet approach, I think of peace. Mm -hmm. I think of calm. I think of, you know, if you're sitting at the table eating with your family, whether it's joy or laughter, opposite of guilt, right? Being present in the moment, because when you're in a dieting mindset, like I was for such a long time, there's no space for being present. Why? Because your mind is busy. How many calories does this have? Am I going to have weight gain tomorrow on the scale? Am I going to have to make up for it tomorrow? You know, there's just, your mind is so busy with so many things. Whereas in a non-diet approach, you're just in the moment and you're just trying to be present, right? You're trying to be present, which is something that I practice and work with my clients on too, is mindfulness. It's part of the spiritual aspect of it. So it's more, like I said, it's like an integrative, a holistic approach to food to health as opposed to the dieting which is like in dieting you're not in your body you don't you can't trust yourself so you lose all self-trust and you rely on other things you control things more you have to have things more controlled so there's no self-trust in dieting versus the non-diet approach you're cultivating self-trust which is something that I had to do as well with food and exercise or movement sure Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for explaining that. I, it helps so much and it gives perspective about just like the differences between the two. And, and I appreciate just like how the non-dieting aspect has a lot to do with the mind, right? Like the brain and your heart as well. Like Mm -hmm. allowing yourself that self-compassion and love and peace with yourself and, and also like a relationship with food and and honestly like that is something that i've always witnessed with my sister who's always had self-image issues and it's very difficult seeing that because i see her more than just what she thinks <clears throat> she mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and and it hurts right and i think that oftentimes you know, like people are so infatuated, right? About like the dieting trends, like right now it's all about keto. And I've mm-hmm. definitely heard about the Mediterranean diet. I hope that there will be a Mexican diet in the future. <laughs> right? <laughs> Verdad? But like, what are some things that you advise women, especially Latina women who believe that dieting will solve all of like their eating habits, their health goals, right? Like. Mm-hmm. What are usually some tips of advice that you provide to them? The first thing is to 
normalize and neutralize that we're probably always going to be in a society that is so fixated and focused on weight, on body image, on thinness, and idolizing that, that that's the norm, that's considered to be the norm. And little by little, I think there's more body neutral, body positivity coming, kind of coming out, which is great. And we need to have those conversations more and more with our kids, our nieces, our family, whoever, and, and just kind of normalizing that that's always going to be there. Because how far you've gotten into your journey, for example, like I have, it's still there in your face. And it's, you're still hearing and seeing all those messages. And there's still a part of your brain that's like, you know, kind of talking to you like, oh, and and again, it's trying to manage your mind, (laughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. which I did a lot of work on and what I try to help my, my, my clients as well is a lot of the mindset work that goes into it and belief work, because those, like I said, those messages are always going to be there. And we have to be aware of them. We have to know how to deal with them. And that it's okay if you want to lose weight. It's okay if you want to look a certain way. It's okay if you want to get down to the certain size or change this or this about you. Like that's normal because of the society we live in. It's the, tr- it's the sad truth, right? And there's always going to be those young girls wishing they could look like this person or this model or this model. <clears throat> But when it all comes down to it, I think that we've got to try to look at the bigger picture and where do we want to spend our time? Where do we want to spend our time? Where do we want to spend our energy? What do you want to surround yourself with in terms of like social media feed? What kind of thoughts do you want to have about yourself and your body? Because ultimately that's going to project onto your kids are going to see that, you know, the kids will see or hear and pick up on messages, something that you might tell yourself about your body. Mm. And it just takes some awareness and it takes practice. So I always tell like my clients, I tell patients, and it takes time, it's patience to kind of just become first aware of being curious. So being very curious, you're just saying, oh, I have this thought that, oh, my legs look ugly in this thing today, or, you know, And just kind of getting curious and noticing those thoughts without judgment, kind of practicing the self-compassion. Oh, it's normal for me to think this about my legs because I've been thinking thinking it this way about them for so long and I'm surrounded by all these messages, right? Again, normalizing it, but maybe even kind of reframing that, like these are the legs that help me do this every day, carry my kids, go for a walk, whatever it Mm -hmm. is to kind of start to change that mindset and do some of that reframing that deconditioning and rewiring that takes time Mm -hmm. and I think it's always evolving right it's just something that we always got to practice and do and in terms of like the food the same thing I think it's just a practice that instead of having quick fixes that's not going to teach you anything and you're going to have rebound weight gain and weight cycling which actually has more an impact on your health Mm -hmm. Um, inflammation diabetes cholesterol osteoporosis, arthritis, you know, that has more of an, and then on your mental health as well. I like to try to help. I like to help my member, my clients, my patients focus on yes, the long-term, but doing things that are sustainable, that are manageable, that they can do in their current season of life under the circumstances that are going on in that time of their life, (laughs) because the circumstances are always going to be changing COVID flu, RSV, like there's so many things. And us as moms, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that may not always give ourselves some grace 
to, you know, it's okay if you got to pick up the fast food or order takeout, you know, having so much guilt and shame around certain foods, try and do make peace with that, let it go, see that it's okay. And at the same time, yes, you can still, you know, cook healthy foods from home, you know, you, you can, doesn't have to be organic, like finding this balance where you can not see food as good or bad. And just mm. that, oh, yes, this is how I want to eat for my family because, and then what are the values? You know, why? Why are you wanting to eat this way for you and your family? And seeing like working with someone if you need to, whether it's meal planning or, you know, on the go or whatever it is, budgeting, things like that. Sure. I think also plays into it too, because we're busy. And sometimes it's just like, I don't know, order, pay for like, pre-planned meals that are already made for you or shakes, herbal life. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's a big one here in my city. Um, yeah. Replacement, no replacement shakes because it's easier for them. But we need to be taught, we need to be taught skills too. Yeah. So I know that was a long answer, but <laughs> no, that's just some of the things that I, I share with them. Is this instead of taking this rigid approach, it's it's gotta be more of the non-diet approach like I just talked about. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's not like how you said, like, it's not going to be a one day kind of fix, right? Like it's a long-term commitment, I would say a long-term mm -hmm. experience and it can shift, right? Depending on yes. your, you know, like seasons of life as, as we all know. And, and yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I just never thought about how much mindset there is about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. It's a lot of it. it is how we perceive food. And again, mm -hmm. that's going to become from our beliefs on what we were taught and what we were heard from doctors, pediatricians, I mean, as other nutritionists, you know, there's just so much places where we can get our information that it becomes like you, you either come become a fear of it or it's not the quote unquote right way and you're being told to eat a certain way when you then start to not be in touch with your own traditional foods or your own hunger cues and fullness cues things that mm. comes with dieting are not sustainable for the long term and that's why a lot of people feel like they're failures because they can't stick to it because they're not realistic. They're not sustainable. They give you a lot of shame. They project a lot of judgment and fear onto you. If you don't do it this way, then you're a failure. If you don't lose this amount of weight, then, you know, you know, you're just not good at anything or you're not. An, and so it all kind of just falls on that. Like you're not good enough type of, mm -hmm. I guess, mentality. Whereas when you can try to find more sustainable, gradual changes, gradual, then it becomes more a part of you and you learn and you gain skills, then it becomes more sustainable for the long term. I think it's an educational moment for all of us. And even for myself, I would say that I have a good relationship with food. I don't count or I don't, you know, I've never done that. But growing up, I was a bigger girl. Like I, my mom would back then they didn't have the husky size like how a lot of places do nowadays and my mom would have to shop for us at like lane bryant mm -hmm. <laughs> because like that yeah like like the junior clothes or the little mm -hmm. girl clothes just didn't fit and so yeah. that that was very traumatic for me 
because I'm like, why am I wearing like clothes for like 30 year old women? Absolutely. That? Yes. And so that was kind of like the 90s, right? Early thousands where it was like the, the peak of like, you know, lower jeans, low, low cut mm -hmm. jeans and like showing your abdomen mm -hmm. area and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, and so I always question like, why don't I look like that? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, porque no me veo así or, but, and yeah, and I, leading up to like my, when I was getting married, I also married my high school sweetheart, by the way. So I oh. feel like we have a lot of connection there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, when we were getting married, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. And I literally woke up at like 4 a.m. every mm -hmm. morning to go to the gym when I'm not a morning person. Even to this mm -hmm. day, I'm just not a morning person. Mm -hmm. But it's like, why did I do this? And I remember buying a DVD set of like workout videos specifically for brides mm -hmm. and the slogan was if mm -hmm. the dress don't fit it means you quit <gasps> so oh. even those words right it's like yes. it got so ingrained in me that i just needed to lose the weight Mm -hmm. where then the dress was so loose that i literally had to like alter it like no mm -hmm. other and and yeah, so then after that I was like, no, why am I doing this to myself? Like, was it just mm -hmm. for the wedding or was it just for me? And mm -hmm. obviously it was just for the wedding. It was for the pictures mm -hmm. where I completely look mm -hmm. so different mm -hmm. than what I am and who I look like now, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and so I've definitely given myself a lot of grace with like my relationship with foods, right? Like yeah. I, I am a vegetarian, but it's more so for mm -hmm. ethical environmental mm -hmm. reasons, not because mm -hmm. it's like, Right. a cleaner way or whatever it is yeah. how a lot of yeah. people are doing it nowadays i feel like right i would say that i'm a lot more loose now and especially as a mom because mm. it's so true like how you said like we literally created this human being in in our own bodies right and we birth babies mm -hmm. like i think that we just need to be very compassionate to ourselves and and understand that we all go through different seasons of life. I think it's very important to utilize just like your mind and your heart than just like mm. trying to fix something that right. it's not going to be sustainable, like you said. Right. And yeah. and knowing and your why, which is why when I work with clients, it's, you know, again, like I said, there's nothing wrong with wanting to change something. You again, all the pressures that we have surrounded by it. However, I am not going to let that be our main focus. Mm. We're not going to fixate on a number on the scale. We're not going to fixate on, you know, a number of pants you're trying to get down to. We're going to fixate and we're going to focus on your beliefs. Your What do you want to believe about yourself? What are those prior beliefs? What are those self-limiting beliefs? What are the behaviors? What are the health-promoting behaviors you want to cultivate for yourself and for the long-term? Stress management, better sleep, improved nutrition, you know, a communication relationships, like what are those things within your health and integrative approach that you want to focus on? Because when it, when you, when we focus on just a number or pant size or a certain look that becomes the forefront, that becomes the focus. And when you don't see that progress, everything gets kicked to the side and it's just, then we either give up, you get discouraged, you get frustrated. And that over, that becomes very overpowering. And then you don't continue on with those health promoting behaviors. And so that's kind of some of the work that that's something I ask my clients to do is let's put this, I kind of like analyze like a file cabinet. Let's put, or like up on the shelf, 
let's put the weight loss up on the shelf for a little while. Let's focus on what you really want to achieve. Like what are, how do you want to feel? We create a vision. Like, how do you want to feel? What do you want for yourself in the future or X, Y, Z from here? How can I help you get from here to here? And that's, you know, what can we do to that in a more self-compassionate, integrative, holistic way mm-hmm. that you can make these things sustainable? Because that's what we want. I mean, for the most part, we want to try to have these healthy habits that are sustainable. So they impact us health in a positive way, right? So that way we can prevent chronic disease. And yes. sometimes even being the healthiest person, we're still, you know, that's something that can still happen, whether it's, you know, and not in our genetics, it could just happen yeah. either way. And there's so much that impacts our health, like the social determinants of health, right? Like socioeconomic status, trauma, discrimination, racism, sexism, you know, there's environment, pollution, you know, yes. safe place, safe environment. So there's so many factors that in, in, involve or affect our health, impact our health more than how we have been taught that nutrition does and exercises, which don't get me wrong, have an important role in our health, but not as much as we've been believed to think that. So mm-hmm. when I learned about the social determinants of health, which that was not introduced into dietetics, my mind was blown that I was just, mm-hmm. how can all these things have such a bigger impact on my health mm-hmm. than nutrition and exercise? What? You know, yeah. that just made it like, that was just like a mind blown for me. And just learning about that, like I said, debunking a lot of things, learning a lot of mm-hmm. things to decondition, to see that there's a lot of other things that are part of our health, our mental health, emotional, spiritual health. And it's not just, yes. you know, so it, it takes some time, but it's all worth it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think we can segue into like your business. And so you mentioned that you are passionate about helping Latinas and Latina mothers improve like their relationship with food and their body. And so can you share more about this and what like you offer in your business and kind of share that platform to our audience? Sure. I have one-to-one coaching, virtual coaching that is six months. Well, right now I'm not taking any new clients because the babies are coming. (laughs) So that's not really going to happen right now, but they can apply and we can have consultations and get on a wait list. But anywho, so yeah, so it depends for any on the, on the client. If the client comes in specifically with wanting some guidance and support for disordered eating and their body image then for sure that's definitely something that we work on. I have, you know, a set program. So we kind of follow what we call intuitive eating. So it's taking each, each bi-weekly call, we're covering some of the topics around that and not in any order, just kind of based off of where the client is at in their current journey and kind of just assessing. So it takes some time, a little bit time for us to assess where are they currently at? with their food and their body image? What are their current beliefs? How did they develop them? Where did they come from? So it's kind of just, you know, getting a little bit of history from, from some of the client, like I said, so that they too can also be aware of, you know, where it came from. So it doesn't have power over you anymore. So you can say, you know, well, I'm not going to let this have power on me anymore because I know where this comes from. And I choose to think differently about it. You know, whether like, for example, we had trauma being raised as a child early on or being put on a diet as a young child, or mm. like you mentioned, shopping for clothes in a different aisle that you weren't used to, right? A lot of trauma that could sure. show up and trigger 
So there's some work around that too, is being able to sit and talk about some of those things, sit with those emotions. So it's a lot of also emotional support that I provide as well. It's not just, it's not consultation, it's not coaching, it's a lot of talking about some of those things, providing that emotional and mental support as well, without judgment, of course, and giving the client space. So giving the client space to, for them to share their stories, for them to share their feelings with me, what their experiences, what they've gone through and, and working through that. So again, with food, it's called the process of habituation where whatever kind of certain food fears they have or food that they have off limits or anything like that, that they have certain uncomfortable feelings with, we do the work with going to those foods and it takes a little bit of time. We do it in a gradual process so that they develop this more neutral relationship where it's no longer a thing. It's just mm. food. And maybe, maybe it becomes to be a more of like a, a loving one where they're like, Oh, actually like this makes me feel good now when I eat it, you know, kind of a thing instead of being fearful of it or guilty from eating it. And with body image, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of, we take steps, we take small steps. So you know, kind of just depending on where they're at, there's kind of just different levels, whether it's body hatred or body dislike, satisfaction. When we take small steps to maybe what we call body neutrality. So body neutrality is kind of just seeing things in your body that maybe particularly you're not satisfied with is just seeing it as a neutral. So you're first starting to notice, like I mentioned earlier, what thoughts you're having about your body, just starting Mm -hmm. to become aware of your brain, just noticing that your brain is going to tell you all kinds of things and our thoughts are not always true. We get to choose whether we want to believe them or not. And, you know, becoming aware of those thoughts and saying, is this true? Or is this what I used to be told to be true? You know, what I want to believe. And when you start becoming more aware of those thoughts and we start to go down this path of reframing, We have to then see what feels good in your body that you want to tell yourself, like what feels authentic, what feels like you could tell yourself something to replace that conditioned thought. What could you tell yourself that's going to feel more authentic in your body? Because we know when you tell yourself something, you can feel if it's true, right? Like if you were like looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look good. But really you're like, oh, I look I look horrible in this, right? You can mm-hmm. try to tell mm-hmm. you, like, kind of like those are kind of like how affirmations sometimes work, right? Sure. They, you tell yourself these things and you, you want it to, you want to believe it, but you're like, your, your internal body, like your emotions doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing is that's what I help my clients do is we, we come up with, we create some, we'll call intentional thoughts to, that are going to resonate, that are going to feel authentic to the client at that moment in time. So if they were just to say, oh, you know, if they hated the way their arms looked or something like that, we would put it a neutral thought. These are my arms that help me carry my babies each day. Mm-hmm. It's not something like, oh, my arms are so, you know, strong and beautiful and sculpted. That's kind of just taking these small gradual steps. And for some clients that do make it to more like body positive, where they're ultimately got reached reached a place where they have done a lot of inner work, belief work. And practicing it to where they really believe truly in their heart and in their mind that they feel comfortable and confident in their bodies. Mm. So it takes, a, it takes some time, but a lot of clients stay in the body neutral place again because of the society we live in and all the messages we see and hear every day that for them, that's okay. Because if they can focus on that, they can also focus on their appreciation for their body. 
they can focus on body acceptance on just being this is my body right now this is what god gave me this is what you know yeah and so every client is different on where they go in their body image journey and i'm glad that you cater it to what their needs are and what they're looking for in terms of the support and and it's almost yeah it's such a healing process for them yeah yeah again i appreciate you creating this platform especially for latina women latina moms Mm -hmm. because i think that we all need to be aware of like what we've always been told what we've always thought that certain foods are whether they're good or bad right and and also like i i love how you brought up in in this interview about how we can be more intentional and present as we raise children. And and I think that's something that I'm very mindful of my son. I was at first very like, oh my gosh, like my son needs to eat like all of these like whole foods and, and mm. things like that. But now as he's getting older, you know, he is being exposed to like preservatives and, and things mm. like that. And so I think I need to give myself grace and like, okay, it's, totally fine right like si la abuelita le quiere dar lo que sea whatever (laughs) you know Um, oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but not shaming them either because that's kind of like how we grew up that we got shamed of but then again the cookies were always in the pantry Mm -hmm. so it's almost like how do you really have this good relationship with food without the guilt and shame and judgment yeah And that's funny because, you know, that's how I was, right? Like I mentioned, orthorexia and that time of obsession with eating healthy, you know, you want, you're very, you're in a controlled space and in a controlled controlled state. And I myself was vegan for about four years, almost five years. And then I transitioned into vegetarianism when my son wasn't growing in utero big enough. And then I, I eventually had to incorporate some chicken and fish. And so when I had him, that's when it become more of a flexitarian, but it's true. It's like, okay there's gonna it kind of reflects for example like when you start to notice if you start to notice this is a really good time to get curious when you're like noticing an uncomfortable feeling like oh he's gonna eat that or don't give him that or I don't want him to give him that is she gonna give him that don't give him you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it's and it's okay because those are just like feelings that are arising that are like based off of whatever like your food beliefs right now and all that mm-hmm. um but that's good stuff because that's just awareness coming up and providing you information on when then you get to decide what you want to do with it you know like how yeah. you want to feel about it and for me it was like oh whenever I noticed that feeling of anxiety of like oh you better not give them that or what you can't give them this you know I that was my work I know that was my work to be done that was me mm-hmm. and that was my own stuff you know, and so and like, oh, that's interesting. This came up for me right now. Why? Oh, this makes sense, you know, because of this long term history I had with da, 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 or because of this was what I read about the chorizo. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's just so many things. Again, we're human and those uncomfortable emotions are gonna come up, those thoughts. And for me, it gets to be funny because I just laugh at it and I'm like, I just get curious with it now. And I'm like, oh, you know, the, my old diet brain popping in right now. And, and it's all about awareness, right? Like being aware mm-hmm. of what you feel, what you think, and kind of going back to what your intentions are. Yeah. Well, what are some tips that you can share to Latina moms about embracing their food and their body as they navigate 
their new identity as mommies? For me, the biggest step pop up for me that I would share is some self-compassion and patience to allow yourself to notice and be in your body during pregnancy, postpartum, giving yourself space to notice, like actually notice whether it's you're spending some time looking at your belly or rubbing it or talking to it or noticing something that's changed within your body. I don't know, your legs, your stretch marks, your, I don't know, maybe your swollen feet. I don't know, right? There's just so many different things. Our breasts, there's just so many things that change and embracing that. And the same thing postpartum, because as you allow yourself to become more exposed to it, right? And just without judgment, trying to just be as, as not as judgment as you can. And we're all, we all can be inner critics of ourselves and our bodies, but thinking about like, what would you tell your younger you? Or how would you talk to your younger you or your daughter or your best friend? Or, you know, like you would as someone you really cared about, how would you, what would you tell them in that moment if they were feeling uncomfortable in this body? And, and just kind of exploring and just kind of getting familiar, I would say, because then after, right after we have our baby, it's like an unfamiliar body. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure this time around, my body's going to like change dramatically this time again as well, because of the twins. And I don't, yeah. I don't have any expectations. I'm just going to learn from my mistakes, from my past mistakes and give myself patience to now that I have relief from the hyperemesis gravidarum from the pregnancy sickness. Now that I have relief, I can try to bring some joy into this pregnancy. I can try to be present with it. I can try to be familiar with what my body is going through, the changes. And then postpartum, right? The same thing postpartum is just trying to show ourselves some self-compassion, reminding ourselves all the work that our body went through mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the hard work it took. Mm to get to where you currently are and celebrating that and celebrating. So celebrating yourself, celebrating yourself for all that you've done, for what you created, for what you birthed or the surgery or whatever it is, just celebrating yourself for every little thing. You know, Mm -hmm. if you were able to get up and shower, you get ready to get up and get dressed or feed yourself or feed your toddler. I don't know anything, right? I would say is giving ourselves more self-compassion, talk to ourselves in a more kinder way, more more patience. So that way we can try to lessen that inner critic, quiet that inner critic voice. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. I think that a lot of our listeners are going to get so much like inspiration from you and and validation, especially coming from a registered dietitian and and just like how your voice is needed. So I'm really appreciative of you creating a platform for us. I think that there's a lot of unlearning to do and a lot of like relearning and reframing our mindset to a more positive way so that we can all love ourselves. It's That's the ultimate mm-hmm. goal, right? Like to love ourselves, our body and our foods too. I just feel like life is short, time Mm -hmm. is short. Mm -hmm. And we're like our society, we're just busy and we're go, go, go. We're not often able to slow down. I feel like when we can slow down a little bit more, that allows us to be more present. It allows us to be a little bit more grounded and just to notice and savor, 
some of those important things that we might not pay attention to or notice, you know, just little things like that of just trying to be present, but also trying to be more present with our actual self. Yes, yes, absolutely. So now we're going to shift gear as far as with the Viva La Mami motherhood questions that I ask all of my guests. And so what still surprises you about being a mommy? I think just the constant learning that I learn from my son that I try to learn about myself and Mm -hmm. that there's always work to be done not just like how not like work work but like inner work and healing and I guess that's for me it's just like the learning lessons I would say yeah yeah never ending yeah Yeah. (laughs) never ending that is for sure (laughs) (laughs) yes and so what is one tip of advice you have for Latina mommies in general in social media especially we only see you know, clips, pictures, little videos of maybe what a person's, how they project their life. Maybe it seems to be perfect, but they don't have it all together, you know, and how there's a comparison. So we can get trapped in a comparison trap. So for me, I would say, you know, it's like kind of just trying to focus and being present within ourselves, being more, you know, patient, going back to that self-compassionate piece, And yeah, that would be like some of the main ones. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what is your meaning of madrehood? I can just think of a lot of words (laughs) that come (laughs) to my mind. Like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard. There's a reminder to be present. Like I said, like there's something that I I have like a a little mantra that I remind myself of on a day-to-day basis, especially when I can be in my head a lot. And it's, there's no place there more important than here and now or like there's just sometimes I I have like little little mantras kind of to help me bring me back into the present moment if I'm wandering away if I want to be doing something else on my phone or just something work whatever it is I remind myself this is more important than thinking about the future or the past or you know I can have some time for that later this is where I should be right now so it's kind of reminding myself to be present connection you know connection with with my emotions, with myself, with my family, mm-hmm. uh, my son, my husband, our pets. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's kind of like all of those things put together, our experiences, our life experiences, learning from them, growing from them, healing from them. Yeah. And that it's okay. We're human. We're not super moms. And mm-hmm. we're enough. We're, you are enough. And everything that you're doing, you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. Oh, I love this, Marissa. Thank you so much. This <laughs> truly defines the meaning of, of motherhood as, as we know it. And yeah, you, you said it just beautifully. Well, where can people follow you? I'm mostly hanging out on Instagram. So you can find me at Latina Dietitian Against Dieting and soon to be launching my podcast soon. I'll be posting up on that on my Instagram page when it's launching and then my website at marisaprieto.com and then I have a Facebook page which is also Marisa Prieto Holistic Nutrition but I don't hang out too much there mostly focus on Instagram and anyone can reach me on my website or DM me on Instagram I'll make sure to share your links in the show notes well Marisa thank you so much for being here thanks everyone Thank you for tuning in to the Viva La Mami podcast. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a review and write what episode really resonated with you. If you really loved it, share it on social media or with an amiga. 
As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow me at Viva La Mami on Instagram or visit vivalamami.com. Please note the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be replaced by your healthcare provider nor taken as professional advice. <laughs>